0: Hello ladies and germs, all the talkomaniacs of all ages. It is your boy Justin here. Happy once again to come to you with an episode of Independent Thoughts. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, so we're not going to do the big intro like we usually do. We're just going to jump right into it. I don't think you'll mind that at all. Independent Thoughts. Independent Thoughts. These are my Independent Thoughts. Actually, you know what? I lied to you a little bit. I am going to take a quick second here before I even jump into the things I want to talk about. And first of all, I sincerely want to apologize to you guys. I want to apologize to you guys. I want to apologize to my guys at Talk of Mania, uh, J-Bomb and Dez. Uh, who have been extremely supportive and cooperative and even kind enough to continue to allow me to contribute to the monthly 10-count episode so I can be of some presence uh, to you guys. I've had a lot of ups and downs in the past little while mostly between I guess we'll call it a career change, and just my entire schedule being turned on its head. So I'm not among the regular day folk like the rest of you. I'm now a a night prowler or at least a night worker I guess you could say and it's kinda turned things on its head between that and some recent computer issues and all kinds of other tech troubles that I've had I've literally had like zero means to get anything to you and it's kinda put me into uh, being a bit of a downtrodden type but we're working our way out of it thank goodness it's July which means the G1 is under effect and that is exactly the first thing that I want to talk to you guys about today so Again, terribly sorry about the inconveniences and the holdups and things like that. If you missed me, I appreciate it. Believe me, I don't even miss me and I'm me. Uh, (laughs) But let's jump into the G1 stuff and we'll just carry on like nothing ever happened. All right? All right. So the G1 is very much underway and instead of trying to provide these daily updates like you could probably find just about anywhere on Twitter, I think it's about high time that now that we are basically at the halfway point of the G1, um, I think it's safe that we can actually take into account all that's happened and kind of throw together a little compilation or more so a foreshadowing of what's to come over the next few weeks. So being that this morning show, which I was awake for thanks to my night prowlerism, uh, I caught the whole thing as I've pretty much caught all the shows up until now, and as the B block uh, reaches its halfway point, obviously the A block did that a couple days ago, the IWGP heavyweight champion, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega, is still... At the top of not only the B block, but the entire field, he remains undefeated at 5-0 with a total of 10 points. Nipping at his heels is Tetsuya Naito with a record of 4-1, therefore 8 points. However, it is very important to raise here that should Naito and Omega still end up with the same amount of points at the end, Omega will automatically get through because his first win was over Naito on Day 2. The big match coming out of today, or at least going into today, I should say, uh, was Omega against Sanada from LIJ. Sanada seemed to have had the best possible chance at at least causing Omega some trouble. And As a matter of fact, as someone had pointed out to me on Twitter, there was always the possibility that it may have ended in a draw as these G1 Climax matches only have a 30-minute time limit. So it is definitely a case of try to get the job done before time runs out. and if Anybody might have been able to hold up Omega and lead to a draw. Sonata could have been the guy, which could have made things very interesting had Sonata ended up with the same amount of points as Omega at the end of the tournament. But that was not to be. Although they had a great back and forth, Omega did end up coming out on top. And believe you me, I almost thought it was going to be the other way around at one point. It seemed like Omega was going to become unresponsive to the skull end. But still, he managed to persist. He managed to fight back and Omega came out on top, which now puts Sonata with that loss at a record of three and two. So he is at six points. So since we're talking about points, Sonata meets uh, ZSJ Zack Sabre Jr. at 6 points and Golden Star Kota Ibushi at 6 points. And then further down the field, we have the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii at 4 points, the Never Openweight Champion Hiroki Goto also at 4 points, the Bad Boy Tama Tonga with 2 points through no fault of his own <clears throat> due to all the disqualifications that he's been suffering thanks to the blatant assistance i guess you could say of his bullet club og brethren and then bring it up the field is toru yano at two points that is the b block So if we switch the focus to the A block, things become a little bit more tight. Um, The A block is currently tied at the lead between Evil at 8 points, 4 and 1, and Hiroshi Tanahashi at 8 points. Uh, The original leader of the pack, Switchblade Jay White, now sits at 6 points along with Minoru Suzuki and the former IWGP champion Kazuchika Okada who started off the G1 with back-to-back losses. Uh, bringing down the field, or rounding down the field, we should have uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named, aka Michael Elgin, at four points, Togi Makabe at four points, Bad Luck Fale at four points, also having to do with disqualifications. Uh, J-Bomb's fave, Hangman Page, only sits at two points, and Yoshihashi sits at two points as well. And I realized as I was saying this when I mentioned the B block, I completely forgot about Juice Robinson, who now sits at two points after getting his first win, thank goodness. Uh, After starting off the tournament with a record of 0-4, which is not good if you're the United States Heavyweight Champion, which Juice Robinson is um he's proclaimed it himself in his promos leading up until now actually his most impassioned promo was after his loss to kenny omega which again is not a a negative accomplishment right i mean he he fought hard and fought well goodness knows last year uh or sorry uh, yeah, it was last year sorry he was able to surprise kenny omega with a with a win over him in the tournament which led to a u.s title shot that that proved unsuccessful but We thought that maybe there might be the opportunity that magic may occur twice this time around, but that was not the case. Kenny came out on top, and although Juice put up a hell of a fight, uh, he made it very clear in his post-match backstage promos, which you can see on YouTube, and I highly recommend that you do because you want to talk about an impassioned promo, that is it. Not even so much a promo, the guy's just being real and saying, I came into this thing, I'm the United States champion. I should have a better win-loss record than this. I'm now 0-4. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even if I got the win over Tama Tonga when I started out, what? It's still two points. It's a measly two points. I'm not on these guys' level. I thought I was, and I've been fighting to be at their level, and I'm still not at their level. He goes, I better, better I better get a win. Because if I don't get a win, first of all, I'm going to have a busy fall, winter, spring the way it is because now I'm going to have to defend the title against everybody that's beaten me over the course of the G1 because that is usually how these things go as far as the booking coming out of the G1. Um, but he said, if I end up winless, like if I 0 and 9 this thing, never mind defending my title. I'm leaving the title here. I'm leaving it with you guys, I'm taking a plane back to Chicago, I'm having my dad pick me up at O'Hare Airport, I'm going to plop my ass on the couch with my thumb up my ass because I don't belong here if I can't win in the G1. Which, I mean, thank goodness he got the win, but even one win is only a step in the right direction compared to where he feels he should be, and, and quite frankly where he ought to be. Being a champion, he should have a better win-loss record than he's currently got. So there's only... time will tell. Time will tell. He's got some big matches coming up still, and uh, I do hope that Juice racks up some points and ends with a reputable showing, because obviously winning is pretty much out of the question at this point. Um, So that now brings us to where do things stand? Um, Being that we're talking about, you know, points and who's at the top, Kenny's still being at the top with 10 points, I'm thinking his toughest bout is to come, and that's not necessarily against Kota Ibushi at the very end of the tournament. I'm talking about his next match. His next match, which is slated for Wednesday, I believe, is against Zack Sabre Jr. Omega has gone on record and said, I am not a chain wrestler. I'm not a scientific wrestler, certainly not to the level of Zack Sabre Jr., but this isn't the king of chain wrestling, this is king of sports, this is New Japan, and I'm gonna bring the fight and bring everything to ZSJ. Now that's confidence, certainly, but I think we should see that as some kind of foreshadowing. If you look at previous matches that ZSJ has set, now I'll admit again, J Bomendez will call me out on it. I am a huge fan of ZSJ's work, and I love scientific wrestling. So a guy like ZSJ is right up my alley. Um, I think I tweeted it out early in the uh, this morning when I was watching the show. I said, um, anytime I see ZSJ do a wicked bridge to escape a hold or something like that, I get about ten percent extra blood flow. If you know what I mean. So you kind of know what my wheelhouse is when it comes to technical wrestling. What I what I enjoy, what I like watching, but. That said, um, I think that given the fact that ZSJ has scored wins over just about everybody, he's beaten, I think he's submitted Godo, he's beaten Nabushi before, if I'm not mistaken, he's beaten Naito, uh, he's beaten uh, Tanahashi, I think he's beaten Okada too, if I'm not mistaken, but I, I could be wrong. He's got just about... Any win there is to have, with the exception of a win over Kenny Omega. And submitting the IWGP champion in the G1 is a huge accomplishment. Goodness knows he accomplished something huge just the other day when he submitted Tomohiro Ishii. And that's a guy who does not give up. They call him the Stone Pitbull for a reason, but ZSJ was still able to make him tap out so I think if there was gonna be a surprise win that's gonna come out of this tournament I think it might be ZSJ submitting Kenny Omega in a few days time but we'll see what happens maybe I'll be able to say I'm right maybe I'll be able to say I'm wrong but time will tell and that's what makes the G1 so interesting you never know exactly what's gonna happen so if you're thinking to yourself okay I want to catch the rest of these shows when when's the next one well that is an easy question. Uh, That next show will be the A Block, and that will be taking place on Monday. Now, depending on your time zone, that time will vary significantly. But in my particular case, the Eastern time zone, I believe the start time of that show is 6 a.m. So, still early on Monday, but if you're a night owl like me, that's more like evening time at that point. That's post-shift winding down over eggs and bacon and coffee. It's screwed up when you work nights. Uh, I'll be honest, it absolutely is. But, at least this month, I have the G1 to give me some comfort. And speaking of that Monday 6 a.m. Eastern show, um, obviously you can catch that on New Japan's service, New Japan World. And the next set of tournament matches for the A Block are Togi Makabe against Bad Luck Fale, Switchblade J White against Hangman Page, that should be a good one, uh, Evil against Minoru Suzuki, that one will not be pretty, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Yoshihashi, and Michael Elgin against Kazuchika Okada so one little bit of trivia before we leave the G1 climax uh, topic of conversation they've been hyping the possibility at this point of of Kenny Omega possibly going through it undefeated um, if I'm not mistaken and I think they've mentioned this before no one has ever completed block competition undefeated that is a huge accomplishment in and of itself to be the first person to do so. In addition to that, should he maybe not remain undefeated but at the very least win the block once again, that'll be the third consecutive year he'll have won his block which also has never been done if I'm not mistaken. And then furthermore, let's say he goes all the way and he actually wins the G1 Climax as the heavyweight champion. Well for one, being that the heavyweight champion will win the tournament instead of um, someone, you know, well, not necessarily someone challenging him, someone winning the right to challenge him for the championship at Wrestle Kingdom 13, um, he will have the option of choosing his opponent at Wrestle Kingdom 13. But aside from that interesting little tidbit, um, if I'm not mistaken, the last person, because it has been done before, um, The heavyweight champion, the last time the heavyweight champion won the G1 Climax, I believe, was the year 2000, and it was Masahiro Chono, who was like huge New Japan legendary name, and this is long before the days of the tournament actually being for. title shot of some kind it was typically just a tournament to see who was the best wrestler pure and simple it didn't have to do with title shots or or wrestle kingdoms because that didn't exist at the time it was just the January 4th dome show that they used to do and a lot of times that was cross-promoted with you know another uh, another company but just so you understand the heavyweight champion has not won that tournament in basically 18 years. So to accomplish that, if he pulls that off, in addition to being uh, the block winner for the third consecutive year, which hasn't happened, and then furthermore, possibly, now this might be riskier because I'm assuming at some point he may drop a fall but should he actually go through undefeated that's never been done either that's three huge records essentially that could be set in one fell swoop for him to pull this off so it definitely um ...adds more fuel to the fire, at least as far as the conversation of him being possibly the best in the world right now. And I know, I know, there might be some Roman Reigns hardcore fans that might be listening to this... ...that first of all don't really know too much about New Japan, period. Second of all, how dare I say that anybody other than The Big Dog is the best in the world, but I'm sorry. That that, that, That title is subjective... Now, it doesn't mean we have to agree, doesn't mean that either of us is right, but it does make a compelling argument for that, for someone to accomplish everything that he has while also not being a native uh, Japanese person i was trying to find a witty way to word it but that's just the way it is right he's they still use the term too, the the gaijin term meaning outsider but it's not it's not a nice term it's not intended with 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 good intentions but anyway be that as it may kenny omega has the possibility of of setting some pretty amazing uh history. And I look forward to seeing what happens. So that is the G1 Climax in a nutshell thus far. I'd like to know, actually curious if anybody else, are you, have you been tuning into the G1? Have you been watching shows? Have you been catching them on replays or what have you? Have you been just watching highlights or are you completely clueless? By all means, tweet at me and let me know because I kind of want to get the conversation going. And if there are some of you that are kind of, you know, on the fence about, possibly watching new japan or not you know if you're used to watching wwe and that's all you watch but you're kind of feeling kind of sour about the whole thing this might be the time to jump in and if i can encourage you to do that at least expand your wrestling horizons i am more than happy to do that worst case you don't like it and we have that and i never you know i'm not to say that I never bug you but you never ask me again ah, that's fine but at least you'll have made the effort and you might like it who knows anyway moving on so here's an interesting segue involving um, Japan and the WWE. Um, many of you, obviously with the announcement of the uh, Evolution All Women's pay-per-view coming up, which is exciting. I'm so happy that, that, that I get to see this in my lifetime and I look forward to what it could become. But let's not forget that there's also the May Young Classic that begins before that pay-per-view and will actually conclude at that pay-per-view. Um, so here's my segue. Um, some of you know, obviously, one of the first talents that was announced for this second May Young Classic was um, Stardom, uh, star of the Stardom promotion in Japan, Io Shirai. Who uh, they tried to have her compete in the first May Young Classic, but there was some health issues that she didn't pass their physicals or whatever the heck it was. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to uh, uh, to talk about. Obviously, she's going to be participating in this. May Young Classic, which is pretty huge in and of itself, but if that wasn't enough, they dropped a bombshell on us yesterday. Um founder/ slash uh, founder of Sendai Girls, another Japanese promotion and a Japanese women's wrestling legend in her own right, meiko Satomura will be competing in this May Young Classic as well. Um some of you obviously there's gonna be a lot of people going who um meiko satamura is on the same level of it dare i say as far as japanese wrestling the hierarchy is concerned she is at the tippity top and if you were unfamiliar with asuka's work you know in her previous days as kana before she got hired by the WWE and are happy with what you've seen and what she brings to the WWE ring to the WWE stage you are in for an absolute treat when it comes to Meiko Satomura because she is also in the same kind of age range I believe she's 38 years old as well in the same range as Asuka she's been at it a very long time and is highly regarded as one of the best women's wrestlers in the world for many years now. Obviously, Io Shirai has, um, in in more recent memory, has kind of unofficially held that crown, but uh, she wouldn't have held it if it wasn't passed to her, and that definitely was held by Meiko Satomura for a very long time. There's, again, a lot of people unfamiliar with women's Japanese wrestling and over the years and and my time tape trading and stuff I've picked up a lot of stuff and I've seen a lot of footage so from all the the popular names Meiko Satomura, Io Shirai, obviously Kairi Sane formerly Kairi Hojo, um, Io Shirai's sister Mio Shirai ironically um, to some longer standing names like Chigusa Nagayo, uh, Aja Kong, obviously, who, who used to appear for the World Wrestling Federation in the um, mid 90s. I mean, to Minami Toyota. I mean, I could go on. Anyway. It, there are a lot of big names as far as Japanese women's wrestling is considered and Satomura is definitely one of the best and I am incredibly looking forward to seeing what happens at the May Young Classic now that Meiko Satomura is involved and I look forward to seeing her possibly knock somebody out with a Scorpio Rising axe kick I love that friggin' move so I guess now's a good time as any to talk about some title changes um... I guess most recently, for many of you out there listening to this, you may have seen or or heard or will see whenever you get a chance to watch it, um, the NXT title change that took place this week on television with Tommaso Ciampa dethroning Alistair Black as the NXT champion, which naturally, as some may know, I guess spoiler alert maybe is going to lead to another title match at the next Takeover event in Brooklyn on SummerSlam weekend, which will be a triple threat between Ciampa, Black, and obviously Johnny Gargano. Um, uh, there's not a whole lot I can say to it. I was surprised when I heard about the title change, but not completely surprised. Does this mean that Alistair Black may be called up? It's possible. Goodness knows that when it comes to when talent are deemed to be ready regardless of whether they hold a title or not WWE and and the, the crew are quick to pull the trigger have the title change hands and get the guy who's ready up on the main roster as as soon as possible basically maybe just a little bit of time in between to kind of disappear you know get some tapings done get some loose ends tied up and then debut on the main roster but it could very well be that Alistair Black might be jumping to the main roster which is interesting I'm curious to see where he goes I feel that he might be more of a Smackdown fit but you know what I said the same thing about Asuka and she did pretty damn well on Raw for the longest time too so anything is possible I'm curious actually where you guys think he's gonna go Uh, Or if he does get called up, first of all, is he going to get called up? And then second of all, is he going to Raw? Is he going to SmackDown? Who knows? I'm intrigued. Time will tell. And speaking of title changes, I guess I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Progress World title has... Finally, I mean, it's been 10 months just about, has changed hands also on Wednesday, as a matter of fact, in London. Travis Banks, the Kiwi buzzsaw, now a member of the NXT UK roster, um, was dethroned by Valter at their show on Wednesday in a no countout match. The reason being Banks had been uh, escaping his obligations, whether it be title matches or non-titles, and just kind of been slinking away and allowing himself to get counted out. So finally, Progress Management decided, no, you know, there's, there's no more running and hiding. This, this is happening. So with the no-countout rule in effect and a bit, of, a, bit, a bit of an assist from Tyler Bate, Volter uh, is now the new Progress Champion. And while we're talking about progress, I think it's important to mention too, obviously they've got their big show, September 30th, Hello Wembley, coming up in Wembley Arena, uh, which was supposed to be headlined by the world title being defended against Zack Sabre Jr. However, due to his New Japan obligations, he will not be available. And therefore, they now have a gaping hole that needs to be filled. Giggity. So they've decided that with this United States States tour, that's about to start very soon, um, and their upcoming United Kingdom shows, basically uh, between now and, I don't know if it's now and then, but it's definitely through August, um, they've now put a rule in place where if anybody is competing in a either a singles match or like a multi-man elimination match or anything of that nature, If they can rack up three consecutive victories, they will be put in the main event of Wembley to challenge against Valter. And that does not apply to just their regular talent, because quite a number of them are traveling abroad to the United States to compete in this tour that is being done along with Evolve, but also the United States, the, the homegrown talent, I guess you could say, are also eligible so if someone like a ricky shane page known for his deathmatch work in combat zone wrestling if ricky shane page is able to rack up three consecutive wins well ricky shane page earned himself a ticket to wembley to headline against valter i don't know how that would play out actually i'm kind of imagining it in my head and that would be interesting but I, i don't think that's gonna happen but this is progress and they have been known to surprise us every once in a while I'm interested to see where that goes. And someone who spent some time with Progress and is certainly still spending some time with Evolve Wrestling as the current Evolve Champion, one Matt Riddle. There's a big rumor going around with some recent cancellations that he has made that it seems like he is heading to the WWE. Um, He has dates this weekend uh, for Combat Zone Wrestling in New Jersey and a date for Beyond Wrestling in Rhode Island. Um, And CZW has come outright and basically advertising this appearance as one of his last before heading to WWE. They've literally done that via their their, their poster on their website. Um, Riddle had canceled um, appearances, number one, uh, competing in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla's Battle of Los Angeles tournament that comes up in September, if I'm not mistaken, either end of August or early September. I forget the dates. I apologize. And I don't research these things thoroughly before I start. I just kind of go based on what I'd heard, what I'd read, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So deal with that as it may. Um, And I think he also canceled an appearance for um, the promotion of Ireland over the top wrestling OTT. Yeah. Uh, He was scheduled to compete there. That one got canceled as well. So Riddle, I believe, he's still scheduled, obviously, to compete uh, to compete and complete his upcoming dates with Evolve. But I think August thirteenth is the last one that is currently um, still scheduled to occur. Um, so that's kind of the news going around right now. So is he going? Is he not? Neither party, WWE or Matt Riddle himself, have come out straight and said yes. It's happening. But usually these things have a way of working themselves out. And with his last appearance being on August 13th, he may keep quiet, but we may very well see him at NXT takeover in Brooklyn. I would be very, very unsurprised if that uh, if that were to happen because it's kind of what happened with Keith Lee. Nobody really said a whole lot about it and you kind of had a feeling that he might show up and then all of a sudden take over. Oh, oh, there's Keith Lee. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> I think this might be the same situation with Matt and that's great for him. Um, those unfamiliar with, with, with Matt Riddle, aka the King of Bros, um, Riddle first started fighting in the UFC. Um, I believe he was on a six-fight win streak and then he got fired um, in 2013 that I think the story is that it was politics. It may or may not have had to do with his marijuana use, which is kind of hilarious if you think about it. It's like, I don't know if they're treating it like a performance-enhancing drug, but I'm pretty sure he's not fighting stoned, and I can't see how it would be incredibly performance-enhancing if that were the case, but be that as it may, that's not what I want to dwell on here. But um, So he... After being fired from the UFC, instead of saying, I'm going to go to Bellator or I'm going to go to Dream or any of those promotions, he goes, you know what, I might give pro wrestling a try. So he did that in 2015 um, when he started. Um, I believe he went to a tryout with WWE and this is when kind of NXT was just kind of starting up like the performance center wasn't exactly what it is now but it was something like that and he went to a tryout and they said okay yeah there's something possible but we're not i don't think it's it's ready yet and i think they put him in touch with Evolve or Evolve. they put Evolve in touch with him one or the other because it was Evolve that I, I believe gave him his, his first start where his first series of matches were and they didn't take it easy on him they, they put him against some of the very best they had to see if he could hang and it, as, as it turns out he actually could hang he actually had a knack for it um, which led to him getting more dates all over the place getting his name out there being extremely popular like he is now as he's won championships and been all over the globe and he was pretty much in a situation where either wwe was going to make an offer or new japan was going to make an offer and it, here's why i mentioned the marijuana use thing if you remember what happened with matt sidell aka evan Bourne, um i believe he spent what a month maybe a bit longer in a japanese uh prison Because he was caught with marijuana while he was overseas competing for New Japan. And I don't know if you know this, but with Japan, it's zero tolerance. And they take that stuff extremely seriously. Just ask Matt. Um, So that led to him eventually being extradited. And then obviously his career in Japan is over. Uh, thank goodness for Impact Wrestling and and all the North American independence. Otherwise, I don't know what would be happening with him right now because Japan is definitely history. So I think New Japan, in their wisdom, said, well, we know how it went with this other guy, and we don't know how Matt is, so it's probably best that we just not even bother. And I, I think they were going to actually bring him in um, for their um, the tournament they do in... November, I think? The the World Tag League, basically. They, they bring in talents uh, from around the globe to compete against their own teams in like a large, kind of like G1 Climax. It's a World Tag League, so you face everybody in your block, etc., etc. Um, and Riddle teams regularly with Jeff Cobb. They have a team called the Chosen Bros. And while they've brought in Jeff Cobb a few times since then, they, they, they didn't bother to bring in Riddle to do this tag league because of the background that they'd heard about with the marijuana and obviously New Japan having gone through that with Matt Seidel they didn't want to take another chance and unfortunately I can't blame them but in the end if this means that Matt Riddle could very well be another NXT and then WWE superstar. The sky's the limit for that dude. And if you've ever seen him work, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I highly recommend that you start YouTubing the shit out of it or trying to find some footage wherever you can because Matt Riddle can definitely go. The guy's got talent. He's ripped beyond belief for a guy who's just over 200 pounds. uh, Since he gets to compete in his walk around rate instead of having to cut weight to compete for welterweight like he used to with the UFC. The guy's got a great charisma. The guy's just a really cool dude. Like, the sky's the limit for this guy. I cannot wait, and I do hope for for his benefit and for the, the wrestling community as a whole, as us fans, that we will eventually be able to see Matt Riddle in a WWE ring. I look forward to it, and I hope you do too. So, in the past, I've been known to bandwagon and plead my case for certain promotions, i.e., go watch New Japan, i.e. go watch Ring of Honor, i.e. go watch Progress Wrestling. So it would be <laughs> in in the spirit of said bandwagoning, um, I recently watched Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary pay-per-view. I caught it the night of. I didn't watch it live live, but I watched it afterwards, you know, due to my Nighthawkism. And... I Was surprised I was pleasantly surprised and I shouldn't have been that pleasantly surprised because I did watch their their Previous pay-per-view not that long ago. I believe it's called redemption and I was impressed by what I saw then and yet for some reason I didn't follow through on it. And if there's one thing I hate doing it's making the same mistake twice so out of curiosity, I tuned in to Slammiversary. I was genuinely impressed by what I saw. Um, and I'm getting in the habit now of following up on it and catching their television program so I can kind of keep in the flow of things. So, a lot of people have talked a lot of shit about Impact Wrestling over the past few years, myself included. I am totally holding my feet to the fire on this one because it used to be that their programming really insulted our intelligence. Now, to be fair, a good chunk of that was also written by Vince fucking Russo. So, without getting into a diatribe on how much I hate that douche nozzle, that fucking twat waffle, that idiot, that dipstick, that fucking cock munch... Sorry, I'm, I'm over it now. Um, <laughs> so without getting into a Russo tirade, let me just say that I neglected to watch their product for a while because I was insulted. And a lot of fans were insulted. And, and Impact and their current management, obviously, they knew that. So when redemption was coming around, they really made a strong plea leading into redemption and, and more importantly around that time and say, listen, I know you, you may have watched our product. We know. We, we weren't happy about it. We're not happy about how it was, but we're trying to fix it. We want to fix it. And more importantly, we want to earn your respect and your viewership back so please if you can check out our show we sincerely hope that you will enjoy what you see and that you'll be willing to give us another opportunity and by and large a pretty good chunk of the the fan base or at least those that were willing to give them a shot they did myself included i enjoyed it i thought the pay-per-view was great but again i fell short of following through not so much this time And I am here, like I said, in the spirit of my previous bandwagoning and my begging and pleading. I highly think that if you are a WWE fan, whether casual or a bit more serious, like my cohorts, but you do oftentimes feel like your intelligence is being insulted via, hey, Roman against Brock for the infinite time, Which obviously would never happen in a real sports situation. I've never seen a guy challenge for a UFC title, um, lose, and then come back and be able to challenge again, and again, and again, and again. But that's pro wrestling. Um, I.e., someone who's been undefeated for two years and racked up over 200 wins but then she comes to the main show again, dominates for a while then gets traded to the other show and loses cleanly not once but twice against someone who is for all intents and purposes not even in her league Salty Des, I'm right with you, man I'm just as upset about it but I've, I've, I've let my wounds heal. If you're insulted about these things and you're tired of having your intelligence insulted and being like, okay, get it, I get it. Your show is now for kids, but I need to find a wrestling show that's a little bit more adult tailored. This, yes, finger snap, this is for you. I highly recommend you give them a shot. Um, their pay-per-view, now again, Impact is known for being a little bit more dare I say, stunt-driven. And while I find that some of the things that they have done in previous years, i.e. lethal lockdown, i.e. king of the mountain, uh, i.e. the weird, that time they tried the match with the dome cage that had the roof that you had to leave to win, but you had to climb through a hole in the top like some fucking shit out a rollerball or whatever the hell. Anyway, again, that was in the past that is not now um what we got this past sunday was great wrestling across the board there were a few violent matches which is why i was talking about the um kind of the 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 stunt type stuff we had tommy dreamer against eddie edwards which was a violent street fight um we had oh my god Sammy Callahan and Pentagon Jr. my god when they started that match they were the the commentators were talking about how it was you know relaxed rules they were pretty fucking relaxed some of the stuff that they did when two grown men have steel spikes and they're basically trying to stab each other in the forehead it's some pretty intense shit there's some pretty relaxed rules in play um in addition to that, there was great wrestling across the board too. Uh, Matt Seidel and Brian Cage had a great match. Austin Aries got a phenomenal match out of Moose, someone who I had never been huge on. I got his popularity. I understood it. He had a great thing going for him. He might be someone that the WWE may want to look at, but I'd never really seen him as like a big match match type guy and he and aries had a phenomenal match i was really surprised as, as to how well that was received my only not to say regret but my only disappointment is the fact that they are still building their fan base back so this show took place at um at the rebel i think it is the rebel valley in toronto um and so it, it didn't seat a whole lot of people you know maybe about a thousand people something like that kind of like when they did bound for glory in ottawa um about a year ago again the, it it seated about 800 or so and that's pretty crammed in there so they're slowly making their way back now mind you Their next big pay-per-view is Is Bound for Glory. It's almost that time of year again, and that one will be taking place at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City. That I actually remembered. The Melrose Ballroom in New York City. So that might be one to watch, and I think the Melrose Ballroom is a pretty cool, decent sized building again we're not we're not talking you know five six thousand territory we're not talking about that at all and they understand that and they're slowly building back to where they want to be but i think again in this day and age if you're a wwe fan and you're kind of tired of kind of the typical stuff that you're being fed week in wake out that involves a lot of head scratching i think you might want to recommend might want to watch impact wrestling because at least the style that they give you is a little bit more gutsy it's a little bit in your face and dare i say it's a little bit almost attitude era ish they're willing to push the envelope a little bit without being disgusting Um, And I think it's definitely worth considering if you're looking for something else. So that'll be on a Thursday, I believe, is when their show airs. So it's not going to interfere with your Raw, your SmackDown, your NXT. They thought that through. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing where things continue uh, from this point on. So I'm going to try and continue catching their weekly programming when I get the opportunity, and I'll I'll try to report back on it wherever possible. But again, if you have the opportunity to go check out um, their Slammiversary pay-per-view that just took place, by all means, do so if you have a few hours to spare. I think that would be a great start, and hopefully you'll feel the same way that I do. Impact Wrestling. Still trying, still scratching, still clawing after all this time. Good on them. Good on them and i think uh i think that's gonna wrap it up for now um so i appreciate you listening wherever it be in your car whether at the gym on your walk or just chilling at home in your with your earbuds or your bluetooth speaker or whatever you like um thank you for doing so i appreciate it and i'm gonna try again try being the operative word uh to continue to give you guys uh some stuff to listen to, some opinions of mine, and some news on things outside the WWE that uh, my cohorts, J-Bomb and Dez, may not always, uh, you know, may not see, may not discuss, may not bring up, however you want to word it. I'm I'm the third man for a reason, so I just got to try to step up a little bit and keep contributing where I can. But uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your attention, as always. And for you, my talkomaniacs, boys, girls, ladies, gents, anywhere in between, I wish you the best of weekends, the best of weeks going forward, and I will chat to you again very soon. Adios, amigos.